Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's unparalleled, I think. Yeah, the music is wonderful. I uh, used to have um, We Are Sex With Bomb as my alarm when I was at uni. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Everything about the visuals and the sound and um, the way that's edited is just beautiful. And, And like I was saying in my intro, I can't really think of anyone that's done anything similar since. And there's so many wonderful songs in it. And I think we'll like, we'll probably talk about the cast a little bit more, but Brie Larson singing Black Sheep by Metric is just amazing. And yeah, it's just wonderful. It's just great to look at. And I, I could just look at it all day. I could just watch it all the time. <laughs> Hello, film fans. Joining us remotely via the wonders of the internet, we have Faye. Hello. Rachel. Hi. And as always, Kobe. Hello. And we're here to review Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Thank you, as always, to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello and welcome to this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast. Joining us today, we have Faye and Rachel. If you would like to say hello to our listeners and tell them a little bit more about who you are and what you do, please. Yes, absolutely. So hi, I'm Faye. Um, I am one half of Her Dark Materials, which is a podcast where we're reading through and discussing the His Dark Materials books by Philip Pullman, a chapter at a time, spoiler free. And we're also covering the TV show um, when that's out. Yep, they said it. <laughs> Pretty much what, what it is that it says on the tin. <laughs> so what is it about um, the books? Because uh, don't shoot me, but I've, I've never read them and I've not seen the, the TV series. So what what is about the books and what made you decide that you want to do a podcast about it? So the reason why we decided to podcast about it was because uh, Rachel read them when she was young and she'd she's read them quite a few times and I'd never read them up until last year when Rach recommended them to me and so we wanted to come at it from a place of I've only read them once and I, I also read a lot of books and have a terrible memory um and Rach has read them a bunch of times uh, so we kind of wanted to come at it from that angle um but I think in terms of the books themselves 
the reason why I liked them so much and would recommend them is because they are about a strong female character, teenage girl who like defies the odds and has this big prophecy thrust upon her. And yeah, she's just really strong and um, quite sassy. Um, and I, I, yeah, I would recommend them, but I will let Rach talk a little bit more about them because she has a longer, she has a longer history of the, uh, with them than I do. Yeah, I guess for me, the, the thing that hooks you in is everybody gets a talking animal as a best friend slash like part of their soul that lives on the outside. And that's like the thing that hooks you in as a kid. You're like, I want a demon. I want an animal friend. That's great. And the thing that keeps you going is like the characters are so great and it starts to span across so many worlds and picks up so many themes and gets, it kind of grows with the reader and it does get quite dark and it picks up quite a lot of um, quite dark themes that are really interesting to explore. And every read you get through, if you read it when you're the same age as the protagonist, you'll get like a really fun adventure story. But if you read it as a grown up, you get quite a lot of philosophy kind of things weaving through it, which is really interesting. And there's just so much to unpick. It's great. Um, obviously, you've thought about your demons. You've probably talked about it in your t- in the TV show, in your podcast. Uh, are you able to tell us what your demons would be and their, and their names? Yeah, so mine is a duck. Um, because (laughs) (laughs) I haven't actually named it I need to name him but the reason why I think mine would be a duck is well my last name is Ducker for one which is great for that Uh, but I it's a strong northern name good yes yes it is yeah (laughs) and I love being near the water and I love swimming and I just love the general feeling that you get when you're near like any kind of body of water but um I wanted it to be a duck because they're on land as well so yeah like in and the they books, fly ex- and they fly yeah like in the books if your demon is uh, some kind of like aquatic animal then you have to be near the water because you can only be a certain amount of distance away from your demon so having it as a duck I've kind of got the best of both worlds there so that's kind of why I think mine will be a <laughs> and duck and you love bread and I love bread <laughs> of course I do <laughs> And what's your demon, uh, Rachel? Uh, again, I don't really know what his name is, but he's definitely just a really fat house cat. Um, he, yeah, a, a, a cat obsessed child. So, and it just, yeah, the idea of having like this sassy fat house cat that can live with me and kind of, I think they, they, they display parts of your personality. So kind of being quite solitary and liking your own space. Um, but at the same time, occasionally desperately needing a lot of attention just like a house cat that's very much a yeah it kind of describes me quite well <laughs> and you've actually got your your demons are on your kind of your logo for the herd dark materials aren't they yes they are yes that rich drew for us <laughs> <laughs> okay so we are talking today about scott pilgrim versus the world it was your choice Faye. it was yeah Can you tell us why you chose it and give us a synopsis in one minute or less? I can. So the reason why I chose it is because it's one of my favourite films in the world. Um, I, when it came on Netflix in October and we were speaking to you guys about coming on the podcast, I remember saying to Rachel, I was like, oh my God, I really hope that nobody's done Scott Pilgrim yet because I really want to talk (laughs) about it. Um, Yeah, I really love it. When it came out in the cinema on release day, I saw it twice in one day. Um, (laughs) I saw it at like midday and then again at like 10 o'clock at night and I loved it so much um, and I've re-watched it many times since then um, and it's hard to like pinpoint the reason I think it's because it's so unique I don't think I've seen a film 
since then that has kind of even had so much of the of a Scott Pilgrim vibe. Um, and I love the little Easter eggs. There's lots of like video game references and pop culture references um, that I really enjoy. Uh, but yeah, yeah, like I said, it's one of my my favorites ever. So I was very pleased that nobody had uh, picked it yet. So what um, what happens in Scott Pilgrim? The so, time I start now. Okay, so Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> it's about a guy called Scott Pilgrim. You might have guessed that already. Um, he meets a girl called uh, Ramona Flowers who has seven evil exes that he has to defeat to be with her. Um, and I will just add, that's a general synopsis, but I will just add that he also completely screws over his own girlfriend in the process. Justice for knives, chow. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys, have you read the comics that this was based on, Faye? Yes, I have. Um, I read Or them, anyone else, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I read them, uh, God, it must, just before the film came out, maybe a couple of months before, and I read them because I knew that the film was coming out and because I knew that the film, I would probably love the film. Um, it, so it's been a long time since I've read them, but I do have the little box set that uh, I'm going to lend to Rach soon so she can read them. Yeah. <laughs> I have not read them and I will be borrowing that box set. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good fun comic because in the first, in one of the first things you see in the film is um, Scott playing with his band Sex Bob Bomb, which is a great name. Um, mm -hmm. But in the, in the book, I remember quite clearly, like, I actually gave you the chords to play the song yes. and the uh, and things like that. I was like, this is wicked. This is such a cool, cool thing that I've not seen before. And each, each chapter is divided into each X. Um, so each, so each book is divided into each X that it, that's got asked to fight. So it's a really, really cool kind of setup. Yeah. Um, what, what was your relationship, Helen, before the, the film came out? Um, so I saw this at the cinema. I hadn't read the comments, but um, big Edgar Wright fan. So um, obviously went to see this. And um, I think I was just really kind of blown away with kind of the imagination that he put in to bring a comic book to life. And watching it again, I think I'd probably maybe seen it a couple of times since, but not any time recently. I mean, he he just really approached it in a really creative way. Um, yeah. I mean, I haven't read the source material, but I kind of get the impression that, you know, it's it's kind of made with love and attention to detail. And there's a lot of really funny kind of bits in it as well. And it's it's really fast-paced and punchy and dazzling and zippy and really focuses on kind of color and sounds you know there's not there's not really any kind of silence visually or with music however there are some problems watching it now which I'm sure we'll we'll talk about but it's I remember when I saw it at the cinema going what the fuck was that what just happened and what, in a positive know, way or kind of yeah, in a positive way, in that um, basically I felt that I'd kind of like been thrown around and bashed around and like like game coins had been thrown out of my head and it was just kind of like this real assault of kind of colours and sounds and noises and, and pop culture all in one in a good way. And have you seen this before, Rachel? I've seen it a few times before, but I've never seen it on the big screen. I didn't get that cinema experience with it. And um, mm. it seems to be one of those films that uh, people would put on when you're just like hanging out with your mates and the evening's winding down and we're like, oh, let's put a movie on. And it would usually, it would quite often be Scott Pilgrim. So I think part of that is um, the strength of the soundtrack. Because um, if you don't have the energy to concentrate on it, 
like the soundtrack will carry it through um but if you do then it is just this visual spectacular so like um yeah i just remember it as being that film that people would just stick on <laughs> when the night was winding down <laughs> Um, I, I think I had a bit, a, a bit of a, a different experience to yourselves. I, I went to see it because huge kind of space um, and Edgar Wright. I don't think he's done any real wrong for me so far. Um, but when I came out of the cinema, when I came out of the cinema, I was like, I don't know what that was. That was a bit weird. Um, <laughs> I was like, I was kind of cool. But in a good way or a wrong way? Kind of a wrong way. I just, I didn't really, it didn't really settle with me. So I didn't then see it for. I hadn't, I hadn't rewatched it, and then it came on Netflix like two years ago, maybe three years ago, and I rewatched it then, and I was like, "Dude, that was fucking excellent. That was, that was such a really cool film." I don't know what I don't know where my head was at the time, but it is. I can understand it. I think it's a bit of a hard concept to gather, and I didn't know about the source material. And then rewatching it again for this it was like it, just even better. I think this is such a really kind of stunning film, it's probably, and it is probably. Thinking about it, my, one of my, it's probably my favorite Edgar Wright film. I think it's such a apart from anything else that you normally get in, in cinema. And this preceded all the Marvel comic films and everything as well, didn't it? So it's, it didn't have that kind of weight of cinematic universe. It didn't have that weight of trying to show things in this style. It was just like of its own piece. And nowadays, you know, there might be seven different films, and that would be horrible. That would be horrible, horrible things to do because I think like I can't remember who said it, but the pacing was really, really tight and on point with it yeah. yeah so what'd you say you said justice for knives Faye, do you want to talk about that <laughs> yeah so when i when i watched it um for the first time at the cinema when it came out i remember just watching it and thinking oh cool great film amazing and then watching it maybe a couple of years ago because i've like re-watched re it periodically um started to realize how much of a dick scott is like just like <laughs> yes. yeah just yes yeah. just like your general like he's got like such like fuck boy vibes like I'm just like oh god yeah so when I say like justice for knives like especially watching it yesterday and like I suppose paying a bit more attention like making notes to talk about it and stuff I was like oh my god he so basically Scott cheats he's with knives who is also 17 and he's like 20 to 23 which is a, she's still in school which is a bit weird um problematic. yeah a bit problematic um and he for the first bit of the relationship he's kind of in it but you can tell that she's his rebound basically from envy and it's really apparent and then he meets ramona and then that's it then he kind of just completely forgets that knives exists she like shows up at the door being like you were supposed to meet me half an hour ago where were you and he completely leads her on and then mm. cheats on her with Ramona. And then it, that doesn't really get resolved. And he kind of, I can't even, actually can't even remember if he has an apology at the end. If, it, if he does, it's very half-assed. Um, and yeah, I'm just like, God, you're you're a dick, man. And I didn't realize this when I first saw it. Yeah, I, but yeah, nice, bless her heart. Like she did, she's just trying to live her life. Like and she's so sweet and yeah. Oh, I just, I, I just feel for her. It's kind of weird because when you first see that him and Knives, you think it's kind of very innocent and he's not. I mean, one of the jokes was like, what base have you got to? And he was like, oh, we, we nearly touched hands once, but then I think she got scared. Yeah. And yeah, you, yeah. Think you think there's like this over innocence about it, but it's not. It's just almost like he needs, almost like he needs someone there like a, as a pet. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, it, but it doesn't really feel for her. And when everyone says, okay, it's great you met Ramona, but you have to be fair to Knives. And he kind of drags his heels about it. Um, so yeah, I can see that, that it, 
there was the kind of Ross from Friends kind of dickish, like, dude, stop doing that. Don't do that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, There's also, I, I, maybe I missed it, or maybe I'm taking it a bit too seriously. It's kind of slightly a little bit culturally insensitive absolutely. as well in some yeah. points, um, which I know, I don't know, maybe I just, just dazzled by the, the flashing of it before, but rewatching it again, it was like, oh, I'm not quite sure it would, this would get made or it there'd be certain bits that were edited out in that so it was kind of interesting to see bits like that kind of pop up which obviously had completely gone past me um and the whole kind of um thing with being vegan was kind of interesting um yeah you wouldn't do it now that way that was a big (laughs) joke yeah i think you'd you'd have a real fight on your hands to kind of push through those jokes so watching it now um you know 10 years on um it's, it's a little bit of a different experience for me i think uh, it definitely has some like uh 2010 sensibilities you can tell that we're 10 years away from a lot of the jokes that were scripted um especially a lot of the cultural jokes um especially in some of the some of the end scenes and some of the fight scenes there are some quips made that would not be made today <laughs> one of the things i loved about it and i, I had completely forgotten the first time um well, the first time rewatching it the second time viewing it was the the seven he always says seven your your seven ex boyfriends and she always corrects them to evil exes, and that's she has the obviously I don't know what they called it almost like a a dalliance she kind of passes it off like yeah you know I have, I have a phase, mm. um, but what did you guys make of the of of that kind of emphasis? It's exes, not just not just evil ex boyfriends. I like that. Uh, Rich and I were talking about this yesterday, actually. I, I do obviously really like that. I like that she had um, an ex-girlfriend and that there's an emphasis on there being exes and not ex-boyfriends. But I think they could have handled um, <clears throat> the relationship between uh, her, uh, Ramona and, oh, I can't remember. Roxy. Roxy. Thank you, Rich. And Roxy <laughs> a little bit better because the whole it was just a phase thing. I, I think that could have been handled a little bit better. I don't think we really, if we're going to put a, uh, or we're, we're going to hint at a lesbian relationship on screen, it shouldn't, it, sh- it shouldn't be paired with, it was just a phase. So I think that, I think maybe if they did it today, maybe they would have realized that and changed it. But yeah, kind of, I like that it's not just ex-boyfriends, but the way that they handled it didn't sit wonderfully with me. I think they could have done it better. Um, I kind of also find like the, um, the whole kind of thing with, Gideon and being controlling a lot more uncomfortable yeah. than I kind of did then I think sort of watching this when you're a bit younger and you, you now I'm, I'm much older um, you can kind of sort of see yourself in sort of you know idolizing those people who are no way good for you and it it kind of it's it's, it's a weird kind of platform that he's put on to be and the way she sort of talks about his hold over her etc kind of made me feel a, a little bit uncomfortable this time around yeah same yeah it was. <laughs> um which of the evil one of, one of the things that kind of annoyed me a bit was that i'm actually on the flip side i thought it was quite cool is that when the, like the first some of the exes were literally someone that uh, ramona had been with for maybe a, couple, a week or so like in, in high school, but I like this kind of legal, legal lexus and um, so I kind of like the way that you have the kind of your first kiss at school in the playground and suddenly they're your boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever you choose to call them. And 
but then they, it, was, it was kind of weird. I felt that, that particularly I think it was the first guy was such a big part. He was the first evil ex that he had, that's got to fight in such a. I know am I making sense? It seemed like a tenuous link um, for yeah. for the for the for the for the plot story, for the storyline of it. I think for mm. some of the exes, Helen. I, th- I think it's it's kind of one of those things though because obviously I think the whole thing about Ramona is that whoever she kind of dates, she has just kind of this like massive effect on them mm. that their lives are never quite the same afterwards. So the reason like the first guy she dated for like a week or so is in there is because she's just kind of like this amazing person that whoever goes out with her will never forget her and they just like leave a huge mark on her so I think that's kind of like it it's a similar thing um in 500 days of summer where they do the the introduction where um basically uh, when she quotes from the Arab strap album mm. the sales of it go up and when she's doing the ice cream it's that kind of that weird male presentation of um, <laughs> what makes a woman appealing kind of thing. Yeah. So I think that's what the point of having the first boyfriend who went out with her for a week and now he's devastated and has, is holding on to that moment is, is for me. Well, let's talk about the music and like the, the, you know, the big stuff that everyone's kind of taken away. The t-shirts, um, it's after, after watching it for the second time, I was like, I need to up my t-shirt game. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, the visuals are great. The sound's great. The, the fights are fun with, with the evil exes. Um, and I, in fact, one thing that, the thing that perhaps most annoyed me with the f- fight with Scott and Roxy was that for some reason he wasn't allowed to hit her. I think, I think just like, why not? Why couldn't Roxy take him down and have a proper fight? But yeah, I think everything else from the start again, again we are sex with Bomb and, and um, his ex-girlfriend at high school on the drums, always having that kind of intro and then suddenly going into really stylized song or stylized bit of action I thought it was just like breathtaking yeah the music is wonderful I I used to have um we are sex with bomb as my alarm when I was at uni <laughs> <laughs> um so I used to wake me up every day which was uh which was quite the shock um but yeah everything everything about the visuals and the sound and um the way that's edited is just beautiful I and, and like I was saying in my intro I can't really think of anyone that's done anything similar since and there's so many wonderful songs in it and I think we'll like we'll probably talk about the cast a little bit more but Brie Larson singing Black Sheep by Metric is just amazing um and yeah it's just wonderful it's just great to look at and I I could just look at it all day I could just watch it all the time (laughs) so are these songs are they covers some of them and and they're sang by explain what you mean by the soundtrack so I think I used to know this off the top of my head but I I think the songs were written specifically for the film um I'm not sure about Black Sheep by Metric but um Sex Bomb the songs for the band were written by um somebody for the film and I think it's quite potentially a famous person I might have to look it up yeah so it's it's Nigel Nigel Godrich right. who's yeah. most famously known for uh, genius producer Radiohead yes. so yeah, um, yeah the, the music is him so that clearly comes through um, I mean he's he's amazing and definitely like the the songs are you know something that hasn't aged at all with it I think no I think a lot of the times I was thinking this is like almost eight or so music videos put together because the music was always there in the background. What I loved, I think, I really, really loved that um, when they had went to the Battle of Bands and they were facing off against the DJs. 
Mm-hmm. So it was them, Sex Bomb versus DJs. And each time they had they turned into like a big computer game fight with one of them having like a kaiju almost. Uh, they were like, like a kaiju fight in like three in 3D graphic styling. And I was like, how? I can't remember that being in the comics, but I've only read them once. But I was just like, that just that looks just amazing. Mm-hmm. Just looks absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I was just blown away again by by seeing that on on the screen. And I think the kind of thing that will bring me back to watching it again and again because it just it's unparalleled. I think um, that representation on on the on the on the on the film. Mm-hmm. I would agree. I think um, something about the way they've drawn from video games and a lot of the comic stylings of it, um, as in styled like a comic, not comedic stylings. Yeah. <laughs> um, that really helps the film not to age badly because it's so hyper stylized. You've like the bad CG isn't bad or 2010 or dated because it's so deliberately drawn from a source point. And I really love yeah. that about it because, you know, it, bad CG can ruin a film and this has been done in a, such a way that it can't age badly, particularly. Well, we talked about it before. Let's go, let's go to the cast, guys. Wow. Uh... <laughs> Chris Evans. <laughs> Brie Larson, so many people. <laughs> yeah, oh, I, always forget, I always forget Chris Evans is in this. And then when I watch it, I'm like, oh, yeah, Chris Evans is in this. Um, he's always welcome yeah. in any film. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's um, it's a huge cast, isn't it? And, you know, Brandon Ruth as well. Um, Anna Kendrick. I can't remember which one. Aubrey oh, Plaza. Anna Kendrick, yeah. I think that... Mary, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Yeah, I think that he kind of lucked out with the cast because a lot of them, they weren't massive stars back then. I remember... I remember knowing who Anna Kendrick was because I think she was in Twilight by that point. And I think yeah. Aubrey Plaza, I think maybe Parks and Rec uh, was a thing then. Um, no, we hadn't it started then. Is it not? So I remember no. recognizing Aubrey Plaza, but not really knowing where she was from. And like, same with Chris Evans. Um, obviously, we know Michael Sarah, uh, but even like Kieran Culkin is so good in that film. Like, he is amazing as yeah. Wallace. Um, and Brie Larson obviously went on to win an Oscar um, and is also great in the film. And I just think he really looked out with that cast because they were they were just on the cusp of doing the great things that they have now done. And he managed to get them all just before they did that. When they were still cheap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and one thing that's really important is that a lot of these cast members were only there maybe for a tenth of the, of the, of the shooting, of the shoot. Um, Michael Sarah was probably the biggest cast name there, along with, I think, Jason Schwartzman, um, after doing uh, Wes Anderson films. But... Kieran Culkin was always to me like oh it's, until until Succession was like oh it's call his brother um, he never really had his own identity but he's great in this um, and then go further down the line Michael Sarah uh, another Michael Sarah link is uh, Mae Whitman who's which one's Mae Whitman Mae Whitman was the was Roxy and she played Anne in um, oh. Development <laughs> who Egg yeah exactly <laughs> Yam Yam is my favourite one her <laughs> <laughs> Which is such a dark storyline in that in that TV show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she's. I mean, Brandon Ralph, like like you said, what what has happened to Brandon Ralph? I don't know. <laughs> you make one one so so um, Superman film, and no one really cares about you anymore. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Bless him. <laughs> but it's a, it's a decent cast. And Aubrey Plaza, I think that must be the first time I saw her. She's really cool in it as well. Yeah. Um, Everyone's really cool. I mean, you know, yeah. everyone kind of looks cool and, they, you know, they're 
wearing cool clothes for 2010 and they've got like <laughs> funky fringes and you know I knew lots of people who kind of looked like that at you know at that time and everything so it, it's it's got such its own look and you know you, you couldn't mistake it for for anything else I also love the, the names a lot of the characters have um I think Knives is probably one of my favorite uh, favorite character names in in anything yeah um Knives Chow uh, and even things just like young Neil. Um, young Neil, yeah. <laughs> which they call Neil Young at one point. So I don't know. Oh, if they? A mistake. Yeah, there is one point where they do call him Neil Young, which I don't know if it's a mistake or whether they they left it in. But it was. Yeah. It's a funny one. It's a funny. One. <laughs> uh, is there anything else, guys, want to talk about before we head to the scores? Um, I think I'd like to give a shout out um, to the to the female characters because I think. Um, so like Alison Pearl, Anna Kendrick, Aubrey Plaza, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Mm. The cast is great. And I think the female cast is really great. There's a lot of really comedic women in the film. Like Alison Pearl's delivery is amazing. Brilliant. Yeah. And Aubrey Plaza's hilarious. And so is Anna Kendrick, like being the coffee shop sister. She's great. Um, <laughs> so yeah, just a, just a little shout out. And um, the actress that plays Knives Chow, I, I can't remember her name, but I know she's in Glur now. Ellen Wong. Ellen Wong. She's yeah. in Glur now, yeah. isn't she? Um, yeah. And she's really good. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to give a give a shout out to the women because I think they do a great job. I think that one of the, one of the things that cracks me up the most is when Alison, when the drummer uh, Alison Pills, she's like, oh, they've got a female drummer, and she just freaks out before going on stage for the first time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, night. I think I think you could, Justice for Ellen is right because. She's such a, a cool character, just full of, I know you, you're at high school and it's your first love, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And you can't you're kind of enveloped by someone who's older and knows, supposed to know a bit more, but she just plays um, nice with that amazing kind of heart in the sleeve. Mm-hmm. And I, I was, I'm glad she's doing Glow now, but she hasn't done that much that's kind of broken through since then. No. Um, so uh, I'm glad she's doing more now. Yeah, same. And also nice, um kind of reminds me of myself in a way like you were mentioning about like first love and and trying to fit in like and when I was younger I was always on the like I liked the kind of music that like Sex Bob play like more like on the alternative side of stuff and mm. like I can just remember myself like getting into that kind of music because there was a boy that I liked that was into that kind of music so like her journey of then like dyeing her hair to be a bit like Ramona and like her the jealousy that she goes through it, I, it just like really resonated with me like when I was that age and would do very similar things to Knives and so I think that's why there's a like a massive soft spot for her but yeah I think Helen Wong does a really good job of, of uh, playing Helen Wong Helen Wong yeah okay let's head to the scores guys I'm Sam Clements, host of the 90 Minutes or Less Film Festival, another podcast in the Stripped Media family, a podcast that celebrates movies under 90 minutes long. Each episode, I'm joined by a special guest who selects a movie to join our prestigious lineup. Past guests have come from the worlds of film, television, music, food, comedy, and podcasting. Search for us now on the app you're currently listening to this podcast or join us at 90minfilmfest.com. Welcome to the Flix Watcher scores. All of our scores are out of five. You may have decimal places if you wish. And we will start with you, Faye, please, with your recommendability. 
This is a tough one for me because it's one of my favourite films. I want to recommend it to everyone, but I don't know. I think there's a specific group of people that would like this film and then a specific group of people that maybe wouldn't. I, I don't think it's I don't think it's for everyone. Um, mm. I think that maybe it's not for massively the mainstream. Um, I think it's kind of better if you're like maybe into comic books and music and stuff. Because like you mentioned, Kirby, when you watched it and you came out of the cinema for the first time and you were like, what was that? I kind of feel that that was the vibe I got from quite a lot of people when they saw it for the first time. Um, so I would maybe give it a maybe a 2.7 for uh, recommendability. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, Karen. I mean, it's your score. I know. <laughs> Contra- uh, controversial. 2.7. Rachel. Uh, I'm going to be a little bit more generous than that. Um, just for the pure thing of it's, whilst it is very weird, it's also an experience. So even if um, I was recommending it to someone that I wasn't sure if they'd like be super into it for the comic book vibes or even for the music, it's just such a visual uh, attack kind of. <laughs> and then the sense of humour there is really lovely when it does hit mm. the right spots and isn't a little bit outdated. So I'd probably give it like a 3.5. Okay, yeah. Helen. So had I not rewatched this for the pod, I probably would have given it a lot higher um, because my memory of this was it just being like this really flashy, exciting, funny, crazy, like comic adaptation, um, which it still is. But I watched it this time round. Scott Pilgrim is such a tool and I find it really hard to... <laughs> remove myself from that now I don't know if it's watching it when I'm a bit older I definitely think that this film is kind of really perfect for anyone who's kind of over the age of about 14 to maybe about 23 maybe I think that's that's where you're going to get the most out of it so that's quite a specific age group um and yeah there was just just some things didn't quite sit with me this time round, and I think some people watching it for the first time now would not be able to forgive that had they not seen it 10 years ago and had like kind of the relationship with it when they first saw it back then when things were a little bit different so it is visually stunning and there is a lot to enjoy in it but I'm not quite comfortable with a lot of it so I'm going to go for a 3.7 on that one. Uh, out of interest, what, what do you think you would have scored it if uh, you had to come into this recording blind, based on your last... Probably last like a 4.5. I, I, I really, um, when you recommended it, I was like, oh yeah, I've not seen that in ages, and um, remembered lots of bits about it that I found funny and thought were really smart and clever. And then, I don't know, there's some, just something about... I think it's more Scott Pilgrim is probably... The character I have the most kind of issues with, um, and his treatment of knives, and just I don't know, just something about Michael Sarah playing him just made me just feel a little bit uncomfortable, which is really weird because when it came out, I thought, Great, this is another Michael Sarah film. I'd seen quite a lot of them when uh, he kind of moved out of Arrested Development, but I don't know, a bit weird, yeah. Not seen Michael Sarah for a while, actually. The uh, maybe the Arrested Development um, continuing series on on Netflix has just put him in le- in lower and lower stead. Um, 
I'm gonna go. I'm still gonna go quite high on this um, because I and that was gonna lean into the repeat viewing score. I would recommend it a lot to a lot of people, but I think it'll be hard. It'll be hard asked to some people, but I think I would not. I would say yeah, watch it, and it's gonna be a bit odd. Maybe in places it's gonna be a bit flashy. Just uh, stick with it because I think there's a lot of incidental laughs and there's a lot of incidental bits which just kind of pull you along. Um, in a way that I've not seen in TV, sorry, in film before uh, and and since. It's almost like a spoof in some ways of a lot of different things, but also not too airplane-y um, or scary movie-ish. So it's just for me, it does strike a really nice balance of enjoyment and, um, and you know, kind of storytelling and visually-wise and with sound. So I'm going to go for 4.45. Um, repeat viewing score, Trey. Uh, five. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, like I mentioned earlier, I could I could watch it every day. Like I think every time I've watched it, I've found something new in it because it is so mm. it is such a like visual and sonic explosion. Um, I think there's different things that you can pick out every time and and delve a bit deeper into. Um, and lots of Easter eggs, like you mentioned, like video games, lots of references to the Legend of Zelda and Street Fighter and things like that. Um. So yeah, I five, absolutely. Rachel. I'm probably gonna go with like a four, I think, because this view through, um, viewing it a little bit more critically, I there was just a few more things that kind of took away from that five for me. Um, like some of the jokes that just didn't sit well that I thought, I don't necessarily want to sit through that joke again. Um <laughs> some of it. So that just knocked it off of the top spot for me. So yeah, I think I think a four. Yeah, there was a few jokes made in relation to knives being Asian, wasn't it? And like being um, culturally insensitive, really, wasn't it? Yeah. And it's like, why have you why have you said it that way? Yeah. In the moment, um, Matthew Patel's number starts, and he starts singing, and for, they've decided. Uh, I don't think it's a thing in the comics that it's a very Bollywood moment, but they've mm. and they give him some really unusual dance moves to do that just kind of put an edge on it. That's like, oh. This feels a little bit culturally off. It's like a, it's a moment that's not struck the right beat for me. <laughs> I didn't take offense. I didn't see that as a necessarily bad thing because I think, especially at that time, I had, I slum, I had Slum Dog Millionaire coming at, at that point, and the there's a lot of kind of big kind of Bangra songs that, that were kind of doing quite well in the charts randomly, which is which was great at the time. Um, there's, I think that I, I when Helen said it earlier, I was struggling to think what did kind of make me go why have you said it like that but there was one point where he said in your culture would you yeah would you like would you be allowed to date outside your culture yeah dating yeah. outside um, your race yeah. i think was a outside long, your race. yeah which i was like that's that's such a weird way of saying of saying well a, a weird phrase to put in there yeah um, there's there's a lot yeah. there's quite a few bits like that isn't there and somebody makes a chinese food pun yeah that was not not cool yeah <laughs> yeah um sorry sorry helen uh your repeat viewing score yeah so um i'm also going to give it a four i think this is the kind of film that rewards you on multiple watches and there's no way that if you watch it for the first time you're going to be able to absorb everything because it does kind of like come at you pow 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 so yeah it's definitely a rewarding watch for multiple views yeah i'm gonna go for 4.8 here because as i said the first time i watched it i didn't really get it um, and it's maybe only my inquisitive nature and just scrolling through Netflix where I thought, well, let's give it a go. And 
super enjoyed it second time, really enjoyed it this other time, and I think I will continue to rewatch it. So, yeah. Did I give a score? 4.7. I can't remember my own score. I need to remember what I'm saying uh, before I go into a random monologue. Um, Faye, small screen score. Um, I am going to give this one a 3.1, I think, because seeing it at the cinema, obviously the things that we've mentioned, the visuals, the sound, amazing on a big screen. When I when I watch it on the TV uh, for this and in other times, I don't think you lose out on much, but I would imagine if you're watching it on a bit of a smaller TV or a smaller screen like a laptop or, God forbid, a phone, you might um, miss out on some of the um, like boxes that pop up. Like, So I'm thinking in particular of when we see Wallace and Scott's apartment for the first time and it comes up with all the little boxes that says yeah. who owns what in the in the apartment. And I think you might miss that if you're watching on a super small screen. Yeah, totally. Um, Rachel? Um, because I sadly did not get to see it in the cinema, um, I think I did miss out on some of the stuff. Um, I'm fortunate enough that our TV screen is a decent size, so I still got the joy of like reading those little boxes. But um, I do think it would be a real treat to see it in the cinema. So... I think my small screen score would probably be a 3.8. Helen? Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, I, I'm going to give it a four. I enjoyed seeing it at the cinema. Um, I think it was this, the, the sound was really good to have it, that really kind of loud sound. Um, and like you mentioned, Faye, about um, there seemed this at some points where there's just so much on the screen that it kind of needs to be big because there's there's so much on there so that is kind of nice but uh since i've only watched it in the cinema once and i have seen it um a few times on a tv screen and um you know that that was kind of fine as well so you know the prince charles and place like that i'm pretty sure must do reruns runs of that so if you can see it there that's cool but if not then you know tv size is is good as well I'm going to say 2.5. After re-watching it again a few times, I really do want to watch this on the big screen again to just try and see what I was missing. Because, again, we talked about the music, the visuals, and the frenetic nature. And I think if you watched it at the Prince Charles with people who loved it as well, I think you get a really different uh, experience out of it just watching it. I think I've never seen this with by myself. Um, and I think this is something that does reward seeing with people who are in the know of it um, and know what's coming up. Um, so 2.5 engagement score Bay. I am going to give this a 4.5 for the pure fact that if I have got this film on I'm not turning it off <laughs> I think it's one of those that I would <laughs> even though I've seen it a million times I think I would still probably even pause it like if I went to the toilet I want to make a drink um, yeah it's like it's a, a commitment for me when I put this on I know that for the next like two hours I'm going to be watching it and that's it um so yeah, four. Oh, oh, did I say 4.5? I'm going to go 4.5, yeah. <laughs> Rachel? Uh, I think I'd probably go for a four. Um, it's really, it's not like the most gripping thing in the world after, on like multiple viewings, but I do love that it is, um, it's, it is like a video game. It's lots of smaller fights leading up to a boss fight. So there's always like a little <laughs> moment occurring. There is always a little you're waiting for the next evil X to come along. 
and that's really nice and it keeps you and and the humor kind of keeps you engaged but it's not um I'm not like super invested in in Scott getting what he wants so um I'm not engaged for that reason <laughs> so yeah I think yeah that knocks it off the off the five for me I think it's a four <laughs> Helen yeah, uh, I'm gonna go with fame do a, a 4.5 um, I mean it's one of those films because it's so loud and in your face it's hard not to um you know be drawn to the screen but um this time around watching it I was traveling at the time and ended up watching it and maybe two or three goes so it, it can't be um anything higher than a 4.5 but I didn't sit through it completely engaged in the one sitting but yeah I, I think if if you're kind of watching it and you're you're prepared and you've entered that world it's set in at the start there's no way that you're you're going to be kind of bored because it is like it's approaching two hours I think it's like one hour 52 and it kind of doesn't feel like that because of the pacing and you know everything's kind of coming at you from all of your senses so once you've kind of got used to that you're you're kind of in the zone you're in the Scott Pilgrim world um I'm gonna go for 4.8 yeah, because I, I think telling with the small screen score because there, there are things come up, come up on the screen that you need to you don't need to pay attention to, but it just does help if you're if you're kind of vested in reading the you know the tidbits and the you know how much um, how many coins that how many points they get when it you know the when the evil axes are are disposed of and things like that. It's really I thought it was really fun, um, and those kind of things just do really help, and you have. Like I say, it's not spoof, but it's kind of kind of spoof where you have like Scott running through, jumping through the window, and really quick camera tricks that you would you'd miss if you're not really paying attention. And that's when that's outside of it being super flashy. Um, I think it's going to be um, yeah, four point eight, and that gives us an overall score of three point nine five nine three eight. Um, nearly let's four. head to Twitter. <laughs> nearly four. Uh, let's head to Twitter, guys, and. Before every recording, we say, we ask people, hey, we're reviewing Scott Pilgrim vs. the World uh, with Rich Makes, Rich underscore Makes, and Faye <laughs> How do you say that? How do you say that, Faye? Faye You got Faye it. Faye okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> from HDM Pod. Have you seen it? Tells your thoughts for an on-air shout-out, and uh, tells your score out of five, and give us your thoughts for an on-air shout-out on Flitswatch. We had a, quite a big response here. Let's go for your first, Faye. Can you take the top one with Retro Ramble blog, please? Uh, yeah, so uh, Retro Ramble Blog said, a complete audio-visual treat with a great cast on top form. Shame it didn't get the reception it deserved. And then they've given four bombs. <laughs> four bombs. <laughs> nice. I mean, that, that's also, that is also true. It, it didn't get that kind of um, fanfare, did it? No. And I think a lot no. of people are taking this on board in, in repeat viewing and on small screen. I don't, think, I don't think people knew what knew what it was when it came out because... I don't think, especially particularly in the UK, that the, the comics were that big. And no. I think I went to see it purely on Edgar Wright. Um, mm. And I think it's basically built up its its fan base a lot more um, when it came out, um, like after on DVD, back in the day of DVDs and things like that, um, when people who maybe weren't even old enough to go and see it or maybe it didn't have quite a, a wide release. So I just think that... It, people and also I don't think the studio quite knew how to market it as well because it's kind of a geeky film and it was before obviously you know Marvel and you know comic now is like major money so I just think it was a little bit of an odd one in that 
they didn't really know what to do with it. And I think one of the things that had me was that um, Edgar Wright, yeah, compared to how he is now, you'd be like, okay, yeah, this is an Edgar Wright film. But for me, it was very much in the, it was a bit weird that it wasn't with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost and, and um, doing a spaced or Cornetta trilogy kind of thing. So maybe that's what kind of put me on a bit of a different edge. It's okay. um, it's not it's not very British as well, which is mm. what we'd kind of had from Edgar Wright to do with space yeah. and with his films. So for an English audience going there expecting that kind of thing, I think a lot of people were offended even by it and just like, <laughs> were not happy that he'd made this kind of American pop culture, you know, comic comic film. It was, yeah. it was strange times back in 2010, you know, before <laughs> viruses and things like that. Different times, man. Uh, uh, who's next? Uh, the Movie Journey podcast, formerly IMDb yep. Journey, uh, say a fun and entertaining ride from Edgar Wright with some fresh editing slash directing techniques and a great soundtrack. Four stars. Court 45, the movie podcast has provided us with a gift from Anchorman, so not Scott Pilgrim one, um, uh, where they're jumping up and cheering. So I assume that is a positive reaction from them. I would assume. <laughs> we also say five out of five fan was there. Oh. Was, there was there a score? Oh, yeah. There we go. Yeah. A slightly odd order. And the uh, last one I have here is uh, Nerd Lantern or at Nerd Adonis. That's you, Faye. Yeah, I can do that one. Uh, one of the truly greatest comic book movies ever made. Now that's comic book movies, not just superhero movies. <laughs> um, and well, it didn't, didn't give a star rating, but I would assume mm. it's quite high. I did, I did chase them up on that. Have we got one more? Yep. The last one is from Shitegeist at Shitegeist Pod. It kind of whelmed me first go round, but so glad I rewatched it. Loving tribute from a pop culture visionary. Perfect material for Edgar to make right. And uh, <laughs> also there with the four bombs. Nice. Great minds think alike, maybe. Um, guys, can you sign off by telling us where we can find you online and your and your podcast? Yeah. Um, so I'm Faye, uh, one half of Her Dark Materials, and uh, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at HDMPod. And you can listen to us if you just search Her Dark Materials in any uh, of the podcast apps that you might use, and you'll find us. Such so is the one you listen to now. Basically, if you listen to a podcast, then just you stop for a second... Get to the end. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we well, I'm saying, use, all use the way this. on our ratings. What I'm saying, <laughs> don't, go to, you don't need to go to a different podcast app. Just use this one. That's fine. Yeah, exactly. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having us. Bye. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye. Enjoyed this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at Flix Watcher Pod on Twitter and we're at Flix Watcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Ben and that's Rockwood, R-O-K-K Wood Audio. Tell them Flixwatcher sent you. just heard a stripped media production.